0: Today is the conclusion of our four week sermon series on the book of Ruth. One of the delights of this book is that whereas the biblical canon is largely told through the stories of men, in Ruth we not only get to hear the voices of women in the persons of Ruth and Naomi, but their story is the one moving the action forward. Today though, we leave Naomi and Ruth to accompany Boaz to the Bethlehem gate. It's a bit of an abrupt return to the male world of sober business deliberations. In ancient times, the city gate was the seat of government and the site of important business transactions. After his nighttime encounter with Ruth that we talked about last week, Boaz heads straight to the gate where he plans to form a quorum of elders to consider and finalize business transactions for the Elimelech family. In every Israelite family, Two issues were of utmost importance, the survival of the family name and keeping the family land in family hands. These priorities were codified in the Mosaic law. To address the issue of the family name, the Leverite law was established. It holds that if a man dies without an heir, his brother is required to marry the widow and provide her a child. A son from this union would carry forth the line and name of the deceased man, not the brother. In addition to the survival of the family name, this solution also provided for the care of the widow, first by the brother and later by her adult son. To address the issue of maintaining the land in the family, the kinsman redeemer law was established. As Eric mentioned last week, the Hebrew word used here is goel. The Goel is the nearest relative to the landowner. When an Israelite falls on hard times and is forced to sell his land, his nearest relation, or Goel, is called to step in and purchase the land or to buy it back from an outsider to keep the land's ownership within the family. But the Goel is called to do more than redeem family land he is in a larger sense called to protect and defend, to care for the weak and vulnerable members of his extended family. As it happens, Naomi's nearest relative, who we're gonna refer to as Mr. No Name, passes by the city gate just as Boaz arrives. Boaz begins not with a discussion of the responsibility to care for Naomi and Ruth, her daughter-in-law, but with the enticement of land that Naomi is offering for sale. This is undoubtedly the land that Elimelech left when he took his family to Moab during the famine. But Boaz offer is unusual in that he claims Naomi's right to sell the land. Under the law, the land of a man without heirs would return to his brothers, and if not brothers, his nearest relative. If he was willing to wait until Naomi died, the land would automatically revert to Mr. No Name. But such as Boaz's stature in the community, no one questions his assertion that Naomi has a right to sell Elimelech's land. Since Boaz next in line is willing to buy the land now, he's forcing Mr. No Name's hand. Only after Mr. No-Name agrees to the purchase does Boaz add, Oh, and when you buy the land, you'll also marry Ruth the Moabite to maintain the land in Elimelech's family. Here again, Boaz is attempting to extend protection to Ruth and Naomi beyond the letter of the law. In the eyes of Israel, Naomi is the widow of the deceased. The property under discussion belongs to Naomi's husband, Elimelech. The Leverite law, no longer relevant because she's beyond childbearing years, applies to Naomi. But Boaz is going beyond the letter of the law to live into the spirit of the law, which is to protect and care for all of those in the family. Mr. No Name makes the legal and quite frankly, financially responsible decision to decline this package deal. After all, he might put a large portion of his own resources into rehabilitating Elimelech's land, which is laid fallow now for at least a decade, only to see it passed to a child that continues Elimelech's line, but does not expand his own. With these new conditions, Mr. No Name declines the purchase clearing the way for Boaz to complete the transaction and secure Ruth and Naomi's situation. And our story ends with the news that Boaz and Ruth have given birth to a son, Obed, who will become the grandfather of King David, whose line is, of course, the line of Jesus. It is the willingness of Naomi and Ruth and Boaz to extend themselves beyond what is required of them by the law that leads to this happy ending story of redemption. Naomi, who knew that Leverite and Goel laws didn't pertain to her in her childless state, was willing to sacrifice her security to provide for Ruth's future. In chapter three, when she hatches her plan to force the issue with Boaz, she tells Ruth, my daughter, I need to seek some security for you so that it may be well with you. Her plan is that Boaz marry Ruth and thus provide a secure future for Ruth. But in this, Naomi is risking her own future. She has no idea what role she'll have, if any, If Ruth gets married, Ruth, who has worked herself tirelessly gleaning in the fields, has been caring for Naomi since they returned and has been obedient to all of Naomi's guidance. But when she carries out the nighttime threshing floor plan with Boaz, Ruth calls an audible. Instead of waiting for Boaz to guide the encounter, as Naomi instructed, Ruth says, spread your cloak over your servant, for you are Goel. With this, Ruth has thrown a wrench in the works. She addresses Boaz not with a simple appeal to marry a young widow, but by confronting him with his legal responsibilities as a relative of a where Naomi would have released Ruth to find her best situation. Ruth is refusing to move forward without Naomi. It's a big gamble, but if Boaz is the man of character she believes him to be, he will step up to his responsibility. Boaz, as we saw earlier, knows exactly what Ruth is doing and he becomes her willing accomplice he orchestrates the conversation with Mr. No Name in the presence of witnesses to create an outcome that will provide for the future and security of both Ruth and Naomi. He spends some of his power and position and prestige to elevate their situation. Because he is not Naomi's nearest relative, he has no responsibility under the law, and no one would think less of him for declining to do so. Boaz was willing to invest his own resources and diminish the estate he would leave his family in order to extend himself on behalf of these women who had no one but each other. This is how God's kingdom looks on earth. While God can choose to reveal himself in dramatic and miraculous ways, that is not often how he works among us. God works through us in relationship with one another to be agents of his care. Yes, God is our Goel. He is our relative that provides for and defends us, but he generally uses us as instruments of this provision. Naomi, Ruth, and Boaz each use what has been given them both in material and personal resources to extend themselves beyond what was expected or required for the good of those in their midst. So too, God calls us to look around his world with his eyes and extend ourselves for the good of those right before us. In the care that we give to and receive from one another, we embody God's provision. And in this, God uses us just as he did Naomi and Ruth and Boaz to further his plans for the redemption of the world. Amen.